0: to the Magic Pisces Podcast. Before the ayahuasca, before the clear. Of the sky. Check. The Magic Pisces Podcast does not condone the use of ayahuasca. Anyway, or maybe it does. Curious about ayahuasca? Go out and drink some and see what happens. Not recommending that. I am not a doctor or a shaman. I haven't touched ayahuasca in probably eleven, at least eleven years. I want to say I think it was two thousand eleven, October of two thousand eleven. No, you know what? It was October of two thousand twelve. Was the last time I, the last time I sat with ayahuasca. This the spirit, the spirit medicine communities like they're so serious. They're like. Do you have any cannabis and would you like to sit with ayahuasca with me? Would you like to sit with psilocybin tonight? And I'm going to a psilocybin ceremony? I'm going to a cannabis ceremony. I, I know I know a lot of the I know a lot of the spirit medicine community and would you like to sit with <laughs> Now I'm just being a dick. Now I'm just being an asshole. What's that other shit that makes you puke? Oh, combo. Combo is like the worst, nastiest shit. I've never taken combo. It's I think it's technically a hallucinogen. Technically, it's it's related to sapo, and sapo is the um, sapo is the um, the dried up the dried up slime of this of the Amazon of the Amazonian toad that is 5MEO DMT, <clears throat> and you smoke the sapo, and you know you're pretty much completely catapulted into another universe within i mean within a second or less i mean you you, t- you take the hit it goes in and and as you feel it populating or penetrating or whatever the word is the the cells of your lungs or the alveoli in your lungs or whatever the heck they're called um you are further gone than you've ever been in your entire life and then it If if you get a good enough batch or a good enough hit, then you the your body completely dissolves and you become pure spirit consciousness. And let me tell you, and there's this terrifying moment, like before you've released, where you're like ego is clinging to, like clinging to reality as you know it, and you think you're gonna die, and then you don't, you surrender, and then it's like you will be communing with the spirits. As uh, Bobby Weir says and I Need a Miracle, and maybe we'll consult the spirits. Maybe they'll know what to do. I Need a Miracle Every Day. That's a rad song, by the way, by the Grateful Dead. The Grateful Dead have all these trippy kind of psychedelic spiritual overtones, obviously, <laughs> in their music. But, um, yeah, the, uh, the, the spirit medicine community, there's this, this I, I knew this guy, Um, I I wouldn't mention it. I won't mention his name, but he's like the Sapo guy. So, or not the Sapo guy. He's the, um, the combo guy. And I was working in this, I was managing this crazy shit show of a, it was like a quote unquote, non-traditional recovery home. It was like, a a recovery home for people who were um, just, they wanted to like recover from their heroin addiction with ayahuasca and, and, and spirit medicine and stuff, which that stuff can be damn good for getting you the initial kick in the ass or showing you the light that ultimately Is that which you will be you will require you you'll be required to the way to get over addiction period is God that's it if you have a full blown addiction um, and have developed or come down or been afflicted with this hopeless state of mind and body as it's sometimes referred to um, the only thing that's going to save you is God and sure that could look like you know some Entering into a yoga path or whatever, um, but, or perhaps it's sitting with ayahuasca in the ayahuasca ceremony, and it's going to, the stuff's going to give you a head start. There's no question about that, but in order to achieve uh, like long term sobriety, you're gonna have to do the actual work, the uh, this is my personal opinion based on my personal experience. But you're going to have to do work the steps, work the 12 steps. And those are what essentially will assure you um, long-term recovery. Um, but I was managing this, like, this... It, it was a bunch of, like, sort of like, I don't want to say snotty rich kids, like entitled, entitled, like, Southern California kids, not kids, like 20-somethings, um, each of whom was constitutionally incapable of being honest with him or herself. And they come to this like spirit medicine healing center, which was, as I said, like just a shit show. Um, I was specifically more or less instructed not to discuss the 12 steps at all by a person who had obviously absolutely zero uh, knowledge as to what they were. Um, at like this really basic, le- like really fundamental level is demonstrating a complete ignorance of them. And then there's like this kind of like, there's like anti-12-step sort of <laughs> literature kind of like sprinkled around. And, you know, how about how it's like a Nazi, you know, they're like Nazi, the programs are like a Nazi, Nazi organizations, not, that's not exactly what they said. But something of that nature, right? Or that it's like, it's all a form of, that they're all forms of religious abuse, which I could see why someone would think that, but it's just not true, right? So it was really challenging. This is several years ago now. Um, and I don't, I would never, inside of the traditional recovery community, I would never promote, suggest anyone go doing, go go and do spirit medicine at all. It's the thing that's a part of my past. It is, however, part of my, like, it, it, for me, it it is a part of my, traditional sobriety path it's just unfortunately it's just unfortunate or it's unfortunate that I can't discuss that with a lot of the people but you know there are a lot of people in the traditional recovery community who are kind of like hush hush like kind of like wink wink with you know the spirit medicine community and I'm talking about people like good solid good solid uh people in the programs but again I haven't touched uh, Aya in uh, well, this all came as a result of me just humming along or singing along to the intro song, which I wrote, uh, by the way. Um, uh, it's not um, calling me, like I don't feel any sort of, the medicine is, this is another thing that spirit medicine people will say. Will, will, will say, ooh, is ayahuasca calling, is, is ayahuasca calling to you? Or if 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 the medicine calls you, you need to answer and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And it's all of it is really, all of it's really kind of true, right? But this, um, I don't feel it calling me and I don't know if it'll ever call me again. I don't know if I'll ever do it again. Um, maybe I will if I'm called, if maybe Ayahuasca, Grandmother Ayahuasca will visit me in a dream. I And and then I'll find the nearest ceremony here in Southern California. But um the uh i i would not go to the jungle and do it i don't think because there's just too much wacky jungle energy down there but um and y- unless you could trace the integrity or the lineage of whichever shaman you were working with the, the integrity of the shaman, of the facilitator needs to be of the, the highest, the highest, they need to be of the highest integrity, spiritual integrity in like all areas of their life. Because if they're not, there's like little leaks happen and it just gets super weird. I worked with a shaman who had a lot of issues psychologically and, um, then I got a little entangled with this person and it resulted in a lot of very strange things happening. Um, All that being said, I probably wouldn't have this podcast if it were not for ayahuasca. Um, And you will find a lot of people or hear a lot of people. You will hear people on a regular basis in the recovery community, traditional recovery community. I'm talking people with long-term recovery, uh, expressing interest. Sort of beneath the radar. You don't have to look too far. They're they're all out there, um, and unfortunately, it's seen. It can be perceived as like a quote-unquote relapse, which is it's a really silly way of relating to it. It's a pretty derogatory way of relating to it. Just as like a drug or some sort of escape. Because let me tell you, when that ayahuasca hits the soul, there's no escaping anything in your entire existence. And she has a way of making that profoundly clear. Um, but anyway, there's this, this combo guy used to come by this, uh, recovery home that I managed and, and combo, it's this, it's related to the Sapo as I, before I went on that tangent, it's related to the Amazonian toad that you smoke, toad medicine that you smoke. It's like, it's, it's like, it's more disgusting cousin. So basically like they put some little dots on you, um, they, he basically puts the sapo on a, or puts the combo on the tip of like a piece of wood, like a like almost like a chopstick looking thing, and then basically burns a hole in your skin with the with the with the smoldering hot um, chopstick looking thing, and you, you just every you just start puking immediately. Like that's the point of it is to puke, and you just puke and puke and puke until he. Um, <laughs> until until you you tell him to stop and then he i forget how it goes exactly he like wipes it off or stops seals it up or or something but it's gnarly and then it 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 has this this weird puky smell to it also and it what it, what it does is it actually goes into um it's like this little secret thing that kind of goes into your addictive patterns or whatever or, or goes into this little the spirit of this medicine, or the the medicine gets inside of parts of you, and it, it you you're essentially purging. Like you in, in in the case of addiction, you're purging your addictive tendencies, or you're in the case of maybe you've got like a sex addiction, you're purging that addiction. And this stuff, I mean, I I was poking some fun at it. Um, here a few minutes ago, it, it really does work. I mean, it does have this spirit medicine transforms people's lives, but, but the, the trick to it or the, the, the real spiritual work that accompanies this, the, the, the real spiritual work happens when the medicine, when the spirit medicine has worn off, you have to, um, be willing to apply whatever lessons you've been shown in the ceremonies or in the combo experience in order to see lasting change and and that's where like a a traditional recovery program of step work is really going to to help you because I was actually blessed I had a white light burning bush experience in the summer of 2007 in a treatment center and my whole life changed but in that moment, I realized that I went from not really believing in God to knowing that God was everything, but that still meant I had to clean up the wreckage of my past. It still meant I had to take a moral inventory. It still meant I had to do all of these very specific things that were laid out in this traditional recovery program, very popular traditional recovery program. Um, So, you know, if you're going to dabble in that world, be wary and go in, venture into that world knowing that that world going into the world isn't your solution. I have a friend that insists he needs to smoke some DMT like every six months to wait off his opiate addiction. It does an effective job of keeping him away from it, but then he just, he goes back to his old ways. He's not willing to admit that in fact he's powerless and that his life is unmanageable, which again, that's more of the traditional path. So take it for what it's worth. Um, all kinds of crazy shit happening in the world. Um, I just went. I just so I didn't know about this train derailment until somewhat recently, um, and then it's it's all over Fox News the train derailment. But there's no train derailment talk on CNN. And if you go and there's actually a Vice a Vice News special about it also that I that was I think the first one I watched It was on Vice News, and. There's, like, dead fish and dead frogs and dead animals and, like, dead livestock in the immediate vicinity of this Palestine, East Palestine. I believe it's called East... The name of the town is East Palestine, Ohio. East Palestine, Ohio town. There's, like, dead everything. And then, then the elected officials are like, oh, no, it's perfectly, it's perfectly safe to drink the water. You know, here, look, I'll drink some on camera. And he takes a swig of bottled water or whatever and pretends it's from the tap. But then there are all these people from this town who are like, no, this is fucked up. No, this is, like, really fucked up. Like, I don't trust the government. I don't trust anyone who is telling me anything. I think that there's a cover-up. And then I saw this video of Aaron Brockovich, who's just like, oh, no. Like, we need to believe these people. Like, yes, the livestock is—the the, the animals are dying. The fish are dying. The frogs are dying. We, they're, the powers that be are going to gaslight them and we need to believe them or I believe them. And that's the first thing you need to do is believe them. I, I'm completely and totally butchering uh, or paraphrasing what that was she said, but it was something along those lines I actually posted on my Facebook wall. And nobody took notice, which is interesting. It's like Aaron Brockovich, like the original, like the OG uh, or one of the OGs of like sticking it to the fucking man in this department. Um, and And so the only place where you can find out any information on this is on Fox News. Like, that's the only, if I go on YouTube, it's all in the Fox News stuff. And, you know, you got Tucker Carlson, like, interviewing people from this town in Ohio, and they're just like, help us, or this is fucked up, or we don't trust anybody, and and Tucker's, like, on their side, right? And then um, there was, there's this, awful, this Pete Buttigieg thing where they're interviewing Pete Buttigieg Buttigieg finally made it to the town, finally made it to East Palestine. And as he's talking, he's, they're asking him some question and he's trying to spin it and he goes, oh, I lost my train of thought. And it was just like this awful, it was like the most awful sounding thing ever. And I didn't even know who the fuck Pete Buttigieg was. I guess he's, He's, according to Ben Shapiro, Shapiro, he's famous because he's gay. <laughs> Maybe that's the case. I don't know. Um, and I was actually listening to the Ben Shapiro podcast. I do, I do like Ben Shapiro's podcast. As I've mentioned on this podcast many times, I disagree with Ben wholeheartedly on a variety of issues. Um, but I don't think he's a bad guy. There's this other guy, Matt Walsh, who i the more I watch his videos, the more of a shit bag genuine shit bag I think he is. He's this conservative, you know he's in the same runs in the same circles as uh he works for the Daily Wire and he works with Ben Shapiro or they they're of a similar um, they have a similar outlook on things, but he's really you know he's this. Supposed Christian, supposed Catholic, and he just, he's just a really hateful person. He has, um, he does not see the log in his own eye. He's pointing at the speck in all sorts of people's eyes, particularly Dylan Mulvaney, who is, in my opinion, a disturbed human being, but that's just my opinion. Um, that being said, if I were to run into Dylan Mulvaney on the street, I would have plenty to say to her. Um, just on a friend to friend level. Um, and I don't know if there's something deeper going on there, but I certainly harbor no ill will towards um, Dylan for being who she is um, at all. And, uh, but, you know, Matt, Matt Walsh is just saying all these, like, he was saying such mean shit about her that all these other conservatives came out and were like, whoa, 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 you went too far. Whoa, 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 you went too far. And then there are these other like conservative YouTubers who come on defending him. Like, I don't think he went too far. This shit needs to be said. And, you know, perhaps there is something to be concerned about regarding the trans movement, particularly the aspect of children it seems to somehow strangely and perversely involve. Um but that being said, it's not it's he you know, if this guy if he's truly Christ like, if he's a Christian, he should be at the very least, you know hating the sin, praying for the sinner. And I don't think there's any, is is it a sin to be transgender? It's a sin technically in the Bible to be homosexual, but I don't think, is transgenderism covered in the Bible? I don't know. Maybe in the book of Revelations. I don't fucking know. But, um, but while I'm not a big, I, I, I don't think he's a good person and he's got, he's got either four kids or six kids. I think it might be four um, and with the amount of homophobic hate speech he's rattling off, I mean, he stands a really good chance of having God make one of his kids gay, if that's what God does. I don't know if if God flips the gay switch on for people. Um, <laughs> I uh, I got into a like sort of a heated debate with these people I used to be very close with um, in the coaching space, and they the reason that we no longer stayed colleagues was because they believed God hated gay people, um, and they were going to stick to that story when I challenged them on it. They did not offer any indication that they would, uh, that they would um, re-examine that belief or those beliefs, and. So we kind of went our separate ways, and I wouldn't even say it was in the nicest way that we parted ways. Um, but that was sort of our point of contention. You know, they believe God hated gay people, and I was like, but what about God and slavery? God, God loves slavery, but hates gay people. There's a, there's a verse, a Bible verse, slaves, be obedient to your masters. O- treat them with reverence and respect, or something like that. That's God. God loves, according to the Christians, God loves slavery and hates gay people. So that's why that God is not my God. My God is the God of my understanding. My God is perhaps the God I met in ayahuasca. My God is the God that greeted me at the end of the hallway in that treatment center that one day uh, in 2007. My understanding, right? Um, so anyway, you know, there's a good chance that God is going to flip the gay switch on one of Matt Walsh's kids because Matt Walsh is just, he's got a story, God hates gay people and he's sticking to it. And he has that right. He's allowed to think that. I don't think that he should be, his speech should be, uh, taken away from him. His right to speak, speak, his mind should be taken away from him or anything like that. I think God will get him. I think God, you're... You know you 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 gotta be you gotta be careful when you're programming that sort of thing into your young child's minds because when they get to be eleven twelve thirteen and they aren't interested in you know seeing the girls as you know, they all enter into that phase, or touching the girls as they all enter into that phase that we all remember oh so fondly. Um, he's going to have a real, and, and you've, you've programmed them that, that that is wrong, and now you've got to throw down the money for the Christian conversion therapy. I mean, he could just be, I mean, that's just, he's just asking to be rebelled against in the deepest and gnarliest way by at least one of his children. So anyway, that's my sort of, uh, Ben, my, uh, Matt Walsh rant back to Ben Shapiro. Ben Shapiro has this great episode about, it was from last Thursday, uh, about how Trump to the rescue in Ohio and Trump like showed up in this town in Ohio, East Palestine or South Palestine. I can't remember what it's called. Um, I can't remember what the direction was, uh, before Palestine, (laughs) the mind. um, it's north or south or east or west. Sorry, I can, lost my train of thought again, just like Pete Buttigieg, Buttigieg. Um, but Trump basically showed up with like truckloads of water and then he went to McDonald's and he bought everybody McDonald's and he knew what was on the McDonald's menu and he just he actually he actually did something somewhat classy. It was actually kind of a classy move on Trump's part. It was an actual like good political move on Trump's part. Um, and, and it's just, and so he, you know, Trump at least appears to be concerned. And it's so bizarre that there's dead fish and dead animals and dead amphibians and probably dead people pretty soon. Um, and they blew up this, they like, I guess they didn't know what to do with the, the the, the train derailed and spilled, and then I think their solution was to ignite it. Like, they lit it all on fire, and they just caused, like, this massive explosion, and then I forget the name of the chemical that basically rained down on the town um, and it's probably getting into the, you know, it's going to do this whole fucking thing that it does, and, and then there's going to be, of course, the corporate cover-up, right, the governmental cover-up, the traditional cover-up, and the making wrong of the people you know who question any of it but the really peculiar thing is that there's no i i don't see if i like i said i go on CNN i don't see one video about it i don't see one video i'm going through i'm going through i'm going through i'm going back as far as i can and there's no videos about this on CNN and i'm like like w- isn't that kind of weird and then Biden Biden didn't Biden didn't go there. He didn't show up. I think he went to Russia instead. And that's just, isn't that, isn't that fucked up? He Or he went to Ukraine or Russia, wherever. I think Ukraine instead. Um, and I just find that very odd. And so it just begs bigger questions. Like what in the hell is going on there? You know, And there are so many people, I think, who are starting to wake up to all this cuz you can only you can fool some people some of the time fool some people sometimes but you cannot fool all the people all the time and i started i want to say it was just before covid hit i started to quote unquote question the narrative i don't it, it came as the result i've shared this before in this podcast but that my questioning of the narrative came as the result of me having a very deeply far-right conservative person in my coaching practice years ago. Uh, one, of first, one of my first full-pay coaching clients was this far-right, like, Sarah Palin, Tea Party conservative. And, you know, kind of like, it, almost like the mean-spirited type, you know? Like, she had all kinds of projections, and I had all kinds of projections, but um, uh, particularly back then. Um, but it was definitely pre-Trump. And we would butt heads sort of on Facebook. We friended each other on Facebook, or she friended me, I think. And I, all of a sudden, I'm like peering into this conservative universe on her far-right universe, like on her Facebook wall or in her face, Facebook feed and uh, her Facebook friends. And then there was this other guy who was also one of my first full-pay coaching, full coaching clients also, who I was in a business networking group with. And he was kind of in that like, he was like posting shit about like, fuck NPR, and he was posting these funny quotes that people on NPR would say. And as the result of me getting into, in a, what you could in a lot of ways say was an intimate relationship. Coaching relationships are r- intimate. We talk about intimate shit with people. I, I gathered that their hearts were not evil. <laughs> and they were both very, very, very intelligent also and so i kind of had in the beginning a somewhat patronizing attitude uh, towards each of them like oh someday you'll see or oh i'm just the smart gun control advocate and you're just the silly gun nut but at least we could be friends i'll you know i will i will offer you the, the the i will give you grant you the charity of my friendship in exchange for your business um, <laughs> Your coaching business, your business to my coaching business, whatever, your, your payments, your purchase of my coaching services. So that was, kind of the, that was kind of like the beginning of my questioning the narrative. There was actually something that happened before that and probably whenever Bowling for Columbine came out, I remember when Bowling for Columbine came out. I was like, "Oh, Bowling for Columbine! It's amazing!" And it it is a very well done movie, f- as far as Michael Moore is concerned. Um, I don't think that Michael Moore is a an honest person at all. He comes off as a you know narcissistic fill in the blank. But uh, my point is, when I first saw I first saw Bowling for Columbine, and I just I took it all as the gospel. I'm like. They're lying to... Everyone is lying to us. Michael Moore is telling us the truth. You know, everyone conservative is a piece of shit, asshole, shitbag who deserves to die, including my parents, by the way, who I never heard my parents since, as like Reagan Republicans, I never heard them say ever. My entire time growing up, I never heard them say one mean thing, derogatory thing, um character assassinating thing about anyone else in another political party ever. And it was different back then. There was no, like, social media, and it wasn't, you know, like it is now. But I never heard one utterance. I know my dad didn't like Clinton. Um, I think me and Bill Clinton would get along a little too well. But uh, he, I knew that. But I was never, like, my, I never heard them say anything bad about, Like Democrats, there was like one Democrat family in the town of Glen Ellen that that like we knew of, and my parents and them were were good friends, and so I never had, you know, I was never taught or indoctrinated. I guess you should say that the other in the notion that the other side was bad. But when I saw, like, when I got into like when I went through my phase, right, my far leftist sort of punk rock communist phase, which I'm. Parts of that will certainly never grow out. If you used to be punk rock, you definitely never were. Um, when I went through that, like when I got really into hardcore like leftism, when I started reading The Nation and People's History of the United States, and then the Bush years were right around the corner from that, like we're right about the same time, I was actually warning people about Bush, the, about George W. Bush during Clinton. In 1998, um, and that came as a result of picking up a copy of the Nation in a coffee shop in Steamboat, Colorado, when I had first moved there. And I became like this hardcore, like Nation guy. I would go to the, I would go to the newsstand. There was this little newsstand in Fort, in, um, in Steamboat, Colorado, and I would go there every week. The Nation came out every single week. It still does. And it was like $2, and I would read this thing cover to cover, and it's dense. It's like dense, thick writing. It's just not easy to, to read at all. Um, and I wouldn't exactly categorize people's history of the United States as light reading either. But when I moved back to Fort Collins, Bowling for Columbine came out, and I was like, oh, Bowling for Columbine, you know, Michael Moore's right. You know, I should kill my parents now because they're conservatives. And, and I had this neighbor who lived across the street from me who was an arborist. And he was like a forestry guy. He was like a, he, w- he had gone to Colorado State University has a really good forestry program. And he was like this, he was like a textbook, like forest ranger guy. And he was from Texas. And, and I brought up Bowling for Columbine and I'm like, Oh, it's the best movie ever. And he's like, yeah, man, don't believe everything that you hear. And I'm like, well, like, why, like, what do you mean? And I was, I knew this guy, and I knew he was smart, and I respected him, and I was, he was basically a friend. Um, you know, we used to, like, smoke weed together and drink beers out on the porch together, and, you know, those were good times back then. But he, um, he was like, well, that whole part about the Africanized killer bees, he's like, I was actually, I'm actually from southern Texas, and we actually did get the bees. We actually did get the Africanized killer bees, and so, you know, Michael Moore—he talked. There's this whole section in the movie about the Africanized killer bees, and Mike, Michael Moore was like, "Well, uh, the, America is so racist that they name these killer bees Africanized bees," and you know, maybe that is why they named them Africanized bees, but, but whatever. Um, and so, there was this giant like fear campaign about the Africanized killer bees are coming, and and then you know, Michael Moore, how he narrates it, he's he's he, t- he kind of goes through the story, and then he's like. But the, but, the, but the killer bees never came. The killer bees never showed up. And all that was left was racism or something like that, right? But he's kind of got that sort of whiny, like where he, he's pretending to be this kind of sensitive guy, tone of voice thing he does. And, and I was talking with this guy. His name was Dan. I was talking with this guy, Dan. He's like, well, no, those bees actually did show up. And they were, it was fucked up. And everybody was terrified of them. And, um... They killed people, and it was terrifying, and the news didn't cover it. Now, I'm exaggerating a little bit to get the point across, but what he communicated to me was that the bees, in fact, were real, um, and that, that they did arrive, and that there was this killer bee thing happening in Texas. or Maybe it was Arizona, but I think it was Texas. Anyway, um, I was like, okay, interesting, and I didn't have any reason not to believe this guy, um, and I believe all of us are prone to you know, hearing what we want to hear and saying what we want to say as the result of what we think we heard or what th- we think the truth was. I think we all need to grant ourselves a little grace there um, and study the work of Dr. David Hawkins, side note. Um, and then I watched this video, there was a there was a YouTube, uh, a Netflix movie, rather, called, I think it was called Michael Moore's A Big Fat Idiot. I think that was the name of it. And it was just this this, like, I guess he was a conservative, just like this like conservative college kid who was kind of like showing the other side of it, right? He's like, well, you know, Michael Moore says this, but we did some research and we discovered this. And so there's this part in Bowling for Columbine where he, he goes to the bank and as a result of opening a bank account, he gets a free gun. And the way that they make it out to happen in the movie is like you just walk in and walk out with a gun. It's like, wasn't that simple. And, but the way that the movie portrays it was that it was that simple, that it was exactly that simple. You walk in, sign up for a bank account, walk out with a gun. Now, if you know anything to the contrary, that it was that simple, by all means, let me know. But, but that was when I started to like, that was the, sort of the very beginnings of me, quote unquote, questioning the narrative, like the, lib, the liberal narrative. And I say this as a liberal human being, and if you're, if you're a truly liberal human being, you should want to know the truth. If you are a leftist who is insistent that America is as racist as they're leading us to believe, you should have access to every single fact surrounding that uh, notion, or all of the information that you can possibly gather, you should have access to all of the data that you can gather so as to come to your own conclusions about that. Because basically what it is, you see something on TV, people just believe what's on TV. And it's funny because I've been like, I get sucked into the, I get sucked into YouTube, right? And I start, all of a sudden I'm like believing everything on the Fox, because I'm all, all the, somehow I turned into this Fox news person. And the thing about Fox, the Fox stuff, the conservative side of things, I'm not conservative. I believe in gay marriage. I believe that you should be able to do whatever the fuck you want to do so long as you aren't hurting anybody. Um, I also believe in gun control, but I also don't want you to take my right to own a gun away Um, because you might have to shoot a motherfucker in this day and age. all that being said, the reason I go to the other sides, the reason I I gather information from the other side of things or the other side of the aisle is what I, actually I guess what I should say that I appreciate about Fox, for lack for lack of a better way of expressing it, is that they own their biases. They completely own their prejudices. They own their conservative viewpoint. It's not something I have to agree with, right? And I'm able to, Gather information from a source that I don't, ag- whose foundation I don't necessarily agree with, or whose fundamental viewpoints I don't necessarily agree with. Um, I have gone through uh, several periods in my life of cognitive dissonance, where the thing that I thought was the truth turned out to not be the truth at all. And the most stark example of that would be my belief in God. I went to, I went from believing that there's no God to knowing that God is everything, and that my only the trick to this life is figuring out how to surrender to God, he, she, it, whatever's will, right? So it's not hard for me to hold competing viewpoints, you know, in to have two competing viewpoints sort of wrestling back and forth with one another. Um, and sometimes I end up, like if you listen to the earlier episodes of this podcast, I went a little, I went a little bit down the conservative rabbit hole um, as a result of the shit that I saw happening with COVID. Um, they were lying. it, it. It was every bit of conspiracy, everything that was kind of dismissed as conspiracy nonsense has basically come true, has it not? And, and so now when you see this, this, um, this train derailment and these chemicals and these dead fish that you can only see on Fox News or Vice, it just makes you go, what in the hell is going on here? right? So that I went on CNN and the first thing that was on there was... Um, this Dilbert guy. The Dilbert guy said something about white people should run from black people or something. I don't know. So he's gotten, he's gotten canceled to the nth degree. Um, and I'm trying to stay out of, this is the fucked up thing, is I'm watching my tongue Right, I'm watching what I'm saying because I have a book coming out, and I don't want to get fucking canceled because my book can touch the lives of millions of people if I play my cards right, and I don't want somebody digging up, uh, perhaps a regular listener digging up some shit I said in, uh, you know, April of 2020 during in the middle of like this crazy fucking shitstorm that covered the entire world. Right. Um, that in and of itself is fucked up. Because if you know me, if you spent some time with me, if you've seen me, uh, if you've been to a restaurant with me and you've seen how I treat waiters or waitresses or baristas or gas station attendants or, you know, the fucking bums at the 7-Eleven who I bought a 7-Eleven pizza for the other day or the Guatemalans who I bought 7 burritos for a couple weeks ago um, and now who I chat with every time or at least wave to and, and greet every time I see them from now on out and they're incredibly grateful to see me and it's like I've made friends, if you were to, you're, you're going to, if you have an experience of me out in the world dealing with human beings, you're, you're going to see that although I'm not perfect and sometimes I say the wrong thing and I'm very much reliable to clean it up if I need to, which is step 10 of the 12 steps, when we were wrong, we promptly admitted it, made it right. Um, You see that I'm not a bad guy. I'm not a mean-spirited person and that I believe in goodwill towards all, towards all people. Um, and, And the fact that I'm having to watch what my opinion is, watch what I'm thinking, pay attention to what I'm thinking because people are paying attention who I don't know are or people are... Thought police out there, that in and of itself is should really be concerning at the absolute very least to anyone. When you've got a a good person essentially self-censoring themselves. And self-censoring is interesting because like censorship is weird because it cuts off the it cuts off the flow of the spirit. And if people are just allowed to say, like if for instance, I said some Rather unsavory things. I said some politically incorrect things at the beginning of the po- the Magic Pisces podcast, and I had a friend call me up, Shane Ritter, call me up and be like, "Yo, dude, you went too far, bro. What the fuck is your problem?" And I was like, "You're right, I totally did. Jesus." Um, and and I, I the next episode, I I completely fucking owned that, and I thanked uh, Shane for course correcting me there. And I made an, a, an effort to do the right thing moving forward. That happened again, actually, with another one of my with another one of my listeners, Maggie. Um, I had said some shit, and it offended her. And she called me up, and she said, "Hey, you know, uh, if I didn't know you, I would think you were a complete asshole. What the fuck is wrong with you?" And um, I actually deleted that episode. That's the lost episode. Maybe you've got it somewhere. Maybe you can use it against me at some point. Um, but, uh, but. You know, I I also, I called her up on the phone, and we had a long conversation, and we came to a, I I shared some really kind of vulnerable stuff with her, and as a result of that conversation, we knew each other better, and that's that's the course correction, Um, and that came as a result of me going out there into this podcast, essentially without a net, or publishing the thing without a net, without having reviewed it. You know, my, my brothers and my brother and sister came in and course corrected me, and I made a solid effort to amend that behavior moving forward, and that's all you can do, right? Um, but when we're stopping the flow, when we're self-censoring or we're insisting others censor one another or censor themselves for fear of protecting the feelings of other, others, that's where, you know, there's, there's, that's something to be genuinely concerned about, Right? Um, and there's just this very I, I you know, I think that I think the Messiah is coming, like for real. Like I've been listening to um this this Catholic exorcist named Father Chad Ripper Ripperger? Ripperger. Ripperger. R I P P E R G E R. And this I watched this talk about the state of evil in the world. I actually put it in the show notes, um, that he gave and a lot of it is spot on i just I think that there is there are some malicious forces acting on this earth, and they are wep- they're using the weaponization of empathy at a, as their modus operandi is that it modus mo they're using the weapon the weaponization of um, compassion to um essentially like it's almost like to enslave the minds of people um and like if if you don't believe in if if you are uh if you're questioning that perhaps it's inappropriate to uh trans children right if you question um the fact that uh if you question that maybe if you are concerned about the fact that there is graphic sexual material being made available to children in the libraries of elementary schools, if you question that, um, you're being labeled as something like a, a, a phobe of some sort. Um, I don't think you know kids kids are supposed to found, find out about sex through uh, awkward explorations of sex. They don't need, adults to tell them too much more than you know my dad tried to talk to me about sex when I was like 10 years old and he's like so what do you think about sex he was like (laughs) he was like painting the garage or something and I just left and that was all that we talked about with that was all the sex I ever talked about with my parents and all I ever needed to talk about with my parents and that's all that should be necessary. You know, if you're one of those really amazing parents you could talk to your kid about sex and have a real conversation with them and and they should be grossed out, um they should be freaked out. It's the nature of parents and their children. And you can pretty much rely on uh those who have given organs in their bodies that are used or are designed by God for the specific Purpose of procreation and sexual um, pleasure—people are going to figure out what to do with them—and now you've got this um, very strange, like, focus on educating kids a little too much in the face of equality, or in the name of equality, in the name of compassion, or whatever—and it's just really weird. And there are more and more people who are just like what the fuck i mean when you i follow this woman blair white this trans woman on youtube and she's like a conservative trans woman and she's making more sense than anybody on cnn it seems i don't watch enough cnn so i wouldn't be able to actually tell you um but what in the hell is going on out there in the world. And then I'm watching this, this exorcist, Father Chad Ripperger, and he's basically like, God is coming. <laughs> Mary said, he said, our, "Our I forget, they call her Our Lady, the Catholics call Mary our, our Lady, Our Lady Mary, um, you know, who's the Mother of God, right? Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now in the hour of death. Mary said she had a, she appeared to someone in like 1920 and said something about if Russia, X, Y, Z, then... And I guess Russia didn't XYZ, and so now Armageddon is looming. Um, And he basically says, like, the only hope we have in all this is that God is coming. Now, again, there are some things he says that I seriously, very, very, very strongly disagree with. He basically hates gay people. Um, That's wrong, you know. Um, Or he doesn't believe in gay marriage. And there is, you know conservatives basically they'll say well the definition of marriage is according to the bible man and woman for the purpose of procreation sure i you know i can i can i can get on board with with you relating to it as a definition and and that perhaps a man and a man then doesn't fit the definition of marriage by that biblical definition so maybe we should call it something else or or whatever i personally i really don't give a shit honestly but um but when it veers into, like, the hatred, um, because, you know, I've never... I've never seen a gay person do anything bad. Have you? I can't think of any um, instance, right, <laughs> where, where it was, like, some out-of-control gay person, like, wreaking havoc on the planet in whatever form. Um, so that's where... That's the, that's the bathwater um, that I... I'm not going to throw out his um, opinion or stance or um, basically what he's saying is that there's evil operating in the world, in every in the uh, up up to or up, and it's it's worked its way into the highest levels of government, and that the planet is becoming more and more communist, um, and that a lot of people I saw another talk recently where basically. Hell is described in the same way that like a communistic society is described. I, that's the part I can get on board with. Um, when you start redistributing that which people have rightly earned, and I'm not getting into the corporations running the world and out of control capitalism, that's not what I'm talking about. Um, what you are seeing is that the middle class seems to be getting squeezed out. It's really kind of fucked up um, because as a person who has... I've been doing what I do um, as a life coach for long enough to understand that success is very much formulaic um, and it's very much rooted in integrity. Like, have you done the things that you say you, you would do um, in service of honoring the commitments that you've made. So this was an incredibly long episode of the Magic Pisces podcast. Maybe you to it. Maybe you listen to it in segments. Maybe you tuned me the fuck out. I don't know. Um, I hope that you're gathering um, sort of the essence of what I, at least in the later part, am trying to express that perhaps there is something fucked up happening. And perhaps um, all I have in this equation is my God, my God, my God, who I believe in with all my heart. And I have my course in miracles and I have my 12 step work and I have the conversations that I have with other people who believe in God. And that is where my sanity, that is where my sanity lies. If you go back to the early magic Pisces podcast episodes, when I was a little bit off my rocker, um, I was not attending meetings, 12-step meetings, because I was not allowed to. They were banned. They were on Zoom, but it's not the same, right? Um, And so if I'm in meetings i'm hearing all sort i'm hearing on a very regular basis that i need to take responsibility for what's going on inside of me and that if i have an, if i have a resentment i then i it's, it has nothing to do with something external it has everything to do with me and my internal environment and if i take it to god he will help me he she it will help me in, in changing my perspective on it so when you remove the god from people's lives, they go fucking crazy. Um, am I trying to skirt responsibility? No, I took full responsibility for my inappropriate comments, but um, that is something to consider, right? After that initial wave, um, what, was up with, what was up with the separation of people? Very odd. Anyway, thanks for listening. Uh, hope to catch you next time in the Magic Pisces Podcast. Bye-bye.